Welcome back to Uncorrelated Minds with Kevin Kalaki of Sinisera Capital. But it's not really Kevin this time. It's the people who work next to him to create the extraordinary experience Sinisera offers. I'm Patrice Sikora. Kevin wants to make sure you get some insight into his right-hand people. So I have the privilege this time around to speak with Kevin's partners. Connie Sullivan is head of family office services, and Adam Packer is chief analyst. Now, in his introductory podcast, Kevin did say there are no placeholder positions at the firm, and he built a team of complementary experts. That's a fantastic endorsement for two talented people. So we're going to start with Connie, simply because she's a little more vivacious, and she talks all the time. But Connie, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing, because in your role as head of family office services, you're really interacting with clients a lot. Yes, I am. And that's something I enjoy. So it's a perfect fit. Absolutely. What do you do for clients? It's interesting. Our clients are families with a great deal of complexity in their lives. They have multiple homes, aircraft, ranches, and a wide variety of investments and real estate and private equity companies they started and so forth. And they took a lot of time and effort to create that wealth, but the effort required to keep track of it all can be a burden. So that's where we come in and what I do. Uh, Family office services is really a, a variety of services that we provide to our clients. The main part is financial administration. With that, we help pay bills, manage documents, keep track of insurance, provide schedules for tax time, and even in some cases, manage children's spending accounts. Hmm. And we, pro- we provide uh, very concise and useful financial statements at the end of each month that are customized for each family. And I'm sure the kids love you for it, don't they? Well, the parents appreciate <laughs> not having to get in the middle of those conversations. <laughs> Go ahead. And we also address financial education needs for our families' members, and if needed, assist with family governance. What does that mean? For large families, there are often issues of managing foundations, making decisions about charitable contributions, investment strategy. You can imagine in today's world that there's sometimes just a natural tension between one generation and the next when it comes to things like investing in climate change or avoiding other industries of that sort. Sure. That's a pretty wide-ranging set of responsibilities. How did you get into the industry? What kind of background do you have that allows you to to take care of all of this? I never expected to get into the investment industry because I'm fairly risk-averse when it comes to investing. But I've known Kevin for a long time, and I have a deep respect for him and his abilities. And he and I had been talking about this firm for a while. When I learned about his unique approach to investing, which is based on risk parity, I'm sure he'll be talking to you about that in Mm -hmm. future podcasts, I realized that there was a way to grow your portfolio with lower risk, and I was sold. My background is mainly in corporate finance, specifically in private placements and private equity. I actually started out as a CPA many years ago with Arthur Anderson, but pivoted and got an MBA at the Darden School of the University of Virginia and then went into corporate finance. I spent about 10 plus years with the Prudential and then a few more years with a couple of private equity firms. Now, I can tell you definitely are a Prudential alum because you said the Prudential. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I even spent a year working at the corporate office in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, you did. And we must yeah. say, I am based in New Jersey. And it turns out Connie is from New Jersey. So we found this, this simpatico that we can share back and forth. <laughs> That's right. Practically the same town. Yeah, but don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say that even though I came on board to focus on family office services, my background has allowed me to participate in more than that. I'm actually a member of our three-person investment committee that looks at private investments for our clients, some of which we source individually and others that come in from the clients. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about that from Adam, who spends most of his time in that area and is really the pro there. But I enjoy being a part of that process. Tell me, uh, Connie, who's on your team? What do they do? It's actually an interesting question because in developing the family office services part of our firm, we actually went through quite a process before arriving at the answer. We initially thought we would build out an internal team of bookkeepers, but quickly realized that outsourcing was a much better option. We talked to a number of firms that provide those services and selected Berger Haggard out of Fort Worth to be our partner to handle financial administration for our clients. The advantage there is that with, with a firm like that, the client gets an entire team of professionals at their disposal. They're not exposed to key man risk. They also get state-of-the-art technology and security without having to invest in HR, computer systems, or office space. So it's a win-win for all. I serve as a liaison between our client and Berger Haggard, providing information, a single point of contact, and also helping to coordinate the family office piece with our investment reporting system. We're going to share this podcast with Adam too, so I'm going to start to not wrap it up, but get to some fun questions for you. Connie, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Well, I love to entertain, but this pandemic has certainly put a damper on that. (laughs) Uh, I recently co-hosted an outdoor party at the Dell Match Play Golf Tournament and had an opportunity to flex those muscles for a while. I enjoyed doing things like designing invitations and flowers and just picking a menu and all of that. But nothing is better than having a small dinner party of eight to 10 people around my table that I'm feeding myself. I'm Italian, so it's probably in my DNA to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I also enjoy exercising both in a Pilates studio with a trainer and grabbing my dog and going for long walks around the hike and bike trail in downtown Austin. Is there something, one thing about you that most people don't know? I'm tempted to say that I was a flag twirler in high school, but I think, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which I was, but I think most people might be interested to learn that in addition to being part of the team here at Cena Sarah Capital, I'm also a client. And I think that gives me a unique perspective when I'm dealing with these families and in really understanding where they're coming from and what their needs are. And how long have you been at Cena Sarah? About a year and a half. The firm is two years old, so almost as long as it was started. All right. Well, let's turn to Adam now. Get some input from Adam Packer. Adam, you are chief analyst, correct, at Sinicera? Yes, that's correct. And what does that entail? Chief analyst, my my role is primarily split between three functions. As Connie mentioned before, most of my time 
is spent on the due diligence for all alternative investments for our clients. This covers anything from hedge funds to private equity, real estate, venture capital. This is a huge area of focus for us. Most of our clients are heavily invested and are interested in pursuing additional deals in the alternative asset space. It's it's also quite valuable to our clients because they, as many of us are aware, they get pulled into deals from friends, families, family members, close colleagues, and it's difficult to turn down an opportunity when it's introduced to you by your dad or your best friend. And <laughs> yes. you know, I, I'm the one that, that can often provide that, that reasonable justification, a professional thanks, but no thanks. That won't jeopardize any of those important relationships. Just, just for an example, we, we reviewed close to 100 deals last year, which was quite honestly a slow year for, for deal flow, but we ultimately only recommended five of those uh, deals. So we're pretty selective and, and it's my job to uh, make sure we're recommending deals that that are suitable and and really have a purpose within our clients' portfolios. And I should think this would be a lot of research because you're going to tailor it to each individual client, correct? Oh yeah, it, it's quite research intensive. Oftentimes, these private investments have offering memorandums that are hundred plus pages long, and uh, it's my job to kind of comb through that and look at all the underlying hidden risks that might not necessarily be disclosed in, in the marketing pitch deck that clients are often presented with. So yeah, it, it takes a lot of time to to dig through and, and make sure there's no hidden red flags. And you sound like you are rather particular too, because you only approved five or recommended five out of 100 deals? Yeah, that, that's correct. Wide range, even amongst those five, there are venture capital deals, real estate deals, and, and one distressed credit manager that we recommended last year. But there's no shortage of deal flow, even during a pandemic. People are raising money all the time, and it's it's our job to, to whittle it down to the, the best, best of the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your background, Adam? How did you get into this? I'll, I'll go a little further back than my professional career, but uh, I started investing as a teenager in the in the 90s. I opened up an Ameritrade account and started picking stocks. And for better or worse, we didn't have Reddit back in the day, but uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I relied on a good, good old-fashioned newspaper coming through the Wall Street Journal looking for recognizable names or going on AOL.com and, and doing whatever whatever the internet looked like back then. Anyone investing in the late 90s, you can essentially kind of fill a wall of stock picks, throw a dart at it, and you probably did okay. But that really was, was what drew me into the, the world of investing. It wasn't anything fancy. I bought names like Dell, IBM, mm-hmm. Amazon. If only I had stuck with that account 30 years <laughs> yeah. later, I'd probably, probably be for a different situation. But you know, I remember coming home and being excited and seeing how much first thing I did when I came home from school is seeing how much money you know my account my little account made with that came the dot-com bust and so I, I was experienced the joys and agony of uh, stock picking firsthand but fast forward to when I started my professional career I was an intern at UBS financial services in Los Angeles where I was working for a couple of top producing advisors, ultimately got offered a full-time position where I was introduced to the institutional consulting team at UBS that provided fiduciary investment advice for large pension plans. They were they were essentially looking for an analyst to do their quarterly reporting and, and reviewing their third-party managers and mutual funds. And you know, I think what made that team different and what uh, appealed to me is as 
most of us are aware, when you work for a big firm, a big brokerage firm, most advisors don't have analysts. You know, they're often you can't afford to hire one or the firm actually doesn't allow them to. Analysts are mostly in New York and advisors can only recommend what those analysts in New York allow them to recommend. So that didn't seem right to me, but I was lucky enough to find a team that did need an analyst to provide fiduciary investment advice. And I was with that team for well, eight years, six at UBS, two at Morgan Stanley. But like most young people that, that are starting out in the industry and really had only one job post-graduation, I kind of got anxious, wondering what else was out there. After living in LA for 12 years, I'm originally from New York, by the way, decided it was a time for a, a change of scenery, full you know, sorry to all those Texas born and raised <laughs> listeners. I am one of those you know, West Coasters, although I, I tend to now say when they ask where I'm from, I say I'm originally from New York because I get a better <laughs> response than saying I came from L.A. So I moved to Austin in, in 2016 and uh, joined up with a company called MicroVentures, which is an equity crowdfunding platform, kind of think venture capital meets GoFundMe. They hired me as their analyst. At that time, there was only about a dozen people at the company. I was the sole analyst and was with that firm for three years. And over that time, the firm grew, the, the team grew, and I ultimately uh, became the manager of the due diligence team and over, oversaw a team of five analysts where we were responsible for reviewing early stage startup companies. Think anywhere from big data, AI companies, all the way to to whiskey distilleries. It was a fascinating experience, but a lot of work as well. What was it about Santa Sarah that appealed to you that you would come to that firm? You know, it, it might sound oversimplistic, but it's important for me to work with good people. Certainly, we all want to work with smart and driven people and, and successful people. But for me, when you're working in wealth management, or financial services in general, it's important to work with good people that that manage client assets the right way. They're not being compensated for recommending third-party managers. They're not overcharging their clients to run discretionary portfolio strategies. And you know, I think part of the reason Kevin started Sinasera Capital is because he had that same vision. He wanted to run a independent advisory practice that manages assets the right way. And that that resonated with me 100%. And I'm very, very fortunate to consider myself a, a partner at the firm. Now, you told me you do some mentoring when you're not working. Tell me more about that. Sure. When I moved to Austin five years ago, I joined the CFA Society of Austin as a, a CFA charter holder, you, you're typically you join the local chapter. And so as soon as I moved from LA to Austin, I joined the Austin group and I volunteered to join their mentorship program. So as, as part of the mentorship program, we are, are paired with mentees who are usually individuals that have just gotten their CFA charter and, and they're kind of looking for career advice and, and networking opportunities. And while I don't consider myself one with the biggest of, of networks. I definitely appreciate being able to, to share my career path and the, the highs and the lows and the difficulties of finding jobs, whether it's moving within a city or moving to different cities. I kind of, I enjoy sharing that, that knowledge with, with other people. And as much a benefit to me as my mentees, to be 
quite honest. And you know, I, I've done it for, for several years now and I'm probably going to continue doing it as, as, as long as mentees want to work with me. <laughs> How do you benefit? I benefit because I think it's, as I said, I'm still looking to mm-hmm. expand my network and, and learn new things and seeing where the industry is headed and what, what interests people. And I think it, it's just kind of a great segue for, for an introvert like me who, who doesn't go to the big networking events. This is kind of a, a nice uh, step in the door of looking at the CFA society in, in particular and, and meeting, meeting people, mentees and mentors. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Connie Sullivan and Adam Packer, we're wrapping it up here. Our time is just about up. I want to thank you, though, for sharing so much with us. Connie and Adam are partners in Sinisera Capital, and this podcast, Uncorrelated Minds, is hosted by CEO Kevin Kalaki. Well, usually. To make sure you get every episode of Uncorrelated Minds as soon as it's ready, subscribe using the subscribe button on this page. And also, share with the share button. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit the show notes page for links to further information at www.sinaceracapital.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest, does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Sinacera Capital. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Sinisera Capital is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Sinisera and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or offer to sell a security. It does not take into account any investor's particular investment objectives, strategies, tax status, or investment horizon. You should consult your attorney or tax advisor.